as I was starting to record this intro, I said the words TikTok and my phone went off and interrupted the recording and the notification that came up was from TikTok and the video was titled, Sorry, My Bad. A little bit spooky uh, to maybe maybe the phone's listening to me. Probably not though, just a coincidence. This week we have got, it's Luke here by the way, this week we've got Will, Isabel and Tiff Waldron joining me and Dave for a bit of a chat all about TikTok. We also chat about Hazy Pales uh, and a couple of other bits and pieces but the, the crux of it is TikTok related and Will shares some insights uh, that he learned while researching a story about it and how it relates to the beer world and how it relates to breweries and, and selling beer and all those sorts of things. Um, apologies for the sound on this one, it isn't flash, we are working on a, a change to how we're doing things at the moment, it might take a little bit to get everything fixed up um, just with the, the change because it relates to a long term plan, but uh, yeah, we're doing our best uh, and this was recorded in the middle of the most recent Melbourne lockdown as well, so uh, all the references to, to that, uh, uh, that's the reason. The other thing is this happened before the big Facebook ban took down all the news websites. So we talk a lot about social media, but we don't actually mention Facebook. If you're wondering, huh, they're talking a lot about social media, but they didn't mention Facebook. That is why. We've got uh, an all-star lineup, we'll call it, of, of people on the Isle of a Time podcast. Uh, firstly, I'll welcome Dave. Dave, how are you going? How are you, mate? Very well. Lockdown 3.0, I can't believe it, but uh, pushing through. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, who would have thought we'd be almost a year later just doing this all doing over the exact again? Yeah. Uh, Tiff, you've just opened a beer. What have you opened? Well, sorry. Uh, I was trying to be quiet. I've got the... Yuzu Sour from Bright. Ah, oh, excellent. They're, you've just come from... That is a great series. Yeah, this one's my favorite by far. Well, well you wouldn't have got a beer before. Uh, I guess we should introduce one. D- Dave and Dave and myself are Isle of a Time always. Tiff, uh, Isle of a Time sometimes. Cicerone, uh, beer educator. How do you describe yourself now, Tiff? I'll take that. Um... <laughs> Great question. Still working through my job title, which I feel like is a good good place to be. Really follow that through a lot of my job so far. Yeah. Um, I don't think you've ever had a job title that I knew. No, that sounds about right. I'm one of those people. I do a lot of things and I love to talk about beer. Excellent. Uh, and we've got Will Isabel from the Crafty Pint, also sometimes Isle of a Time host. I think that's pretty fair. Co-host, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, we kind of got to today and realized we didn't have anything planned, uh, but Will's written some some pretty great articles lately. And Tiff, you've been pretty busy uh, up in the high country, so we figured it'd be a good time to chat to you both and, and catch up. Um, I do want to quickly talk about, because you're in the high country, Tiff, which is where you would have got that beer you're drinking, mm-hmm. up in Bright. What were you doing in Bright? So basically after, I don't know, what was it, eight months of being stuck in Melbourne, but not upset about, like, it's pretty nice where we are, to be honest, Um, was keen for some time away. So my partner Casey and I schemed a little, and we're friends with the guys who own Reading Co. Gin Distillery up in Bright. So we arranged for a month-long restaurant pop-up. So... Casey did uh, Bar Liberty at Reed & Co. for the whole month and had to work, you know, four weeks a week. Did you have to work as well? Uh, I mean, I was helpful, but I I was working from up there, but I wasn't working restaurant service and pretty happy not to. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what we were doing up there. So we were doing a restaurant pop-up hanging out up in Bright for the whole month, and it was pretty amazing. Like, just, I think I spent sometime every day just like hanging out in the river mm. going for walks going for hikes riding my bike drinking a lot of beer it was awesome it is a real good spot when did you head up 
We went up on like January 2nd. Right. How much of a difference was there from when you went up to this weekend? Uh, oh, I le- I'm back now. So oh, I, right. came back, I came back January 31st. So we stayed for the full, like all the way through to the end of the month. Um, it was pretty crazy though, because it was like crazy busy. And then there were like four days where it got quiet. And then it was like stupid busy that weekend before Australia Day weekend, during Australia Day weekend, through to the end. And then we had like four really quiet days after all everyone left and all the kids went back to school. Uh, it was it was a wild difference. Like you can barely you barely get phone service when it when the town's full. <laughs> um, Dave, I realized. Why did I find yeah. out what Will was drinking? Will, what are you drinking? Oh, I am drinking. Uh, it's called. Sorry, I don't know where the Kong juice. It's new, uh, new release. Dainton. It is a double hazy IPA. Their jungle juice is their sort of. Um, they make a lot of hazies. The jungle juice, I think, did the best in the uh, Gab's hottest one hundred. It's kind of one of their sort of flagships. Although their their core range is pretty confusing. Uh, it's it's out tomorrow. It's tasting great. Uh, I don't normally like hazies that are sort of above six or seven percent, but it's uh, definitely delivers on the tropical flavour. Dave, did I see something? Without being too sweet, say something hazy in your glass as well. You did. You saw um, the avalanche from Brick Lane. They were kind enough to drop a four pack um, off of that, and it's a hazy IPA. But I mean, on the spectrum of things, it's um, at the tamer end of things. But um, did, Quite good. did you get two of those or did you get four of those or two, two of the other one? Two of each, yeah. Yeah, cool. I really liked the other one, the Fresh Hop one. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, it was good. This is, this is quite nice too. I've gone completely the other way and I'm, I'm drinking a barrel-aged Imperial JSP from, uh, from Wolf of the Willows, 12.8%, which is actually a lot higher than I realised uh, <laughs> I just read it. jeez. Um, what a Monday night. Well, I've... Uh, like most of us, I've got a, a lot of really strong ABV beers um, that I never really want to drink or never get around to drinking. And it was one that was behind me. I've just rearranged everything behind me. So I'm like, well, I'll take it down and I'll drink it. And that way I've drunk it. It was, it was delicious. It's, it's, yeah, really yum. I might, um, we'll see how I go after an hour of sipping on it. Honestly, <laughs> like what better to have on it, a nice humid, Steamy night. <laughs> yeah, I've got the door closed. It's really muggy in here. Just no airflow. It's really lovely. <laughs> um, Lockdown's a lot harder when the uh, weather's much nicer, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It, it feels very different to being locked down in the middle of winter. You can kind of. I mean, it isn't. The parks are full of people and the yeah. park bins are so full of beers. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, a couple of things that uh, Will, you've been working on that I, I, I've got many questions about, uh, and I reckon Tiff and Dave will too. TikTok. Yeah, TikTok and beer. T- tell us because... Oh, have a lot of questions about this. <laughs> what a collision course. Well, so, I mean, does it make sense for beer people to use? Or is it just for the kids? Are the kids hey, people it's now? Definitely, it's, let's, can we pause for a second? Can yeah. someone explain to me what TikTok does that differentiates <laughs> it from other stuff? Yeah, that's probably okay, a good point. So, we probably need to start right at the start here. So I, I guess it's basically, I mean, it's video only. It's video sharing platform. So, you, you know, it's different in that sense from Instagram or Facebook. But I think the best way to kind of think about it is it really prioritizes new videos and new content over like what you follow. So rather than you go on Instagram and you see what all your friends are doing and eventually it shows you kind of other stuff, TikTok is kind of more purely that. You open the app and it's on a For You page, which the app's algorithm shows you content it thinks you want to see. And, you know, even if it's the first time you log onto the app based on your sort of age and where you are and all that kind of stuff it sort of starts showing you videos and then the the algorithm or the artificial intelligence gets um smarter and smarter the longer you spend sharing like like viewing it so it's it's very much about discovering new things potentially over um 
over connecting with your friends, although you can still do that as well through the app. I, I signed up quickly and found it very stressful because you, you, you click on it, you open it, and you're immediately there's a video. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of stressed me out. And then immediately there's another video, and you're like, well, hang on. I just had a message from yeah. someone in here that I need to get to and I don't really know. It, it makes me feel really old, um, just that like immediate confronting of like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. I'm going to throw my phone away. Um, yeah, and it, it, it just even the interface, it just does feel very different to something like Instagram or Facebook, which is a bit more maybe linear, whereas TikTok, I think, is a bit more sort of bombastic and moves moves around a little bit more and, and, and throws you from place to place, which is definitely unsettling, even if you're used to using social media all the time. Hmm. Um, are many people in the beer world using it? We know Lindsay um, uses it. The, is, she's kind yeah, of yeah. Lindsay's great on it. One of the f- yeah. only people I know in the beer world that used it before. I, before I read your article, uh, who else is in the beer world, or, or I guess are there many people in the beer world? Um, there's definitely like there's definitely brewers on there and people on there with like personal accounts, just posting things from a personal sense. Um, in terms of like you know official accounts i still think the only actual brewery with one is burnley which i went into in the article and that, that's kind of been led by their staff members who are uh, you know younger than me or younger than any of us they're fully yeah. talked fully talked yeah <laughs> fully what i'll talk Wait, okay. so, hang on that's isn't that led by michael the brewer and, and chloe are yeah they- He's saying they're younger than well, you. Well, Michael runs the account, but um, the, the staff who sort of started pushing for it were younger. Okay. So there was a conscious – it wasn't – it looks like it was organic from the, from this side. It looks like uh, – No, well, uh, Jesse, one of their sales reps uh, who works closely with Chloe, uh, she she's Gen Z. She, she kind of pushed for – I think Chloe and Michael had personal accounts, but she was the one who was like – we need to have a Burnley account because it'll actually be funny and it kind of suits what we do. And maybe we can become TikTok famous, which at the end of the day is everyone's dream, I think. Um, sure. Sorry, I cut you off, Tiff, before, just before you go. Okay. Um, uh, I just got a comment from Sunday, Steve, who said, turn Luke up a bit. I don't think I can turn myself up a bit. I'm at max. I'll just speak louder. Start projecting, dude. Start projecting. Come yeah, on. yeah. Um, you a little more Luke tonight. That's what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, Tiff, I cut you off before you had a question. For- oh, that's all right. Oh, I just like, I'm really curious about what are the rules around alcohol and TikTok? Because I know, like, obviously, Lindsay's been doing it, but she just, I mean, she has to like re upload her videos all the time. And I just, I don't know what the rules are. And I'm actually kind of interested to know. Do you know? Well, do you mean in the sense of like how with an Instagram account you need to have some kind of like only 18s can follow this kind of thing? Yeah, it's it's way more like Wild West and less like um, formal and constructed than uh, than probably Facebook or Instagram are, which have had a lot lot longer to build up their sort of um, protections or rules or whatever you want to call them like and obviously you know if you're a brewery and all, all your stuff's going to 16 year olds i mean that's bad for a whole re- <laughs> load of reasons <laughs> particularly if they're like 16 year olds in america who can't even you know even if they desperately wanted to buy you beer they shouldn't but they can't um but yeah that's less formalized but no i know w- one of the accounts i interviewed for the story uh, mighty sour he said you know 70 percent of his audience is american and a lot of them are under 21 so they're not even of drinking age i think they just like him because he's a sort of unusual unit from australia he's <laughs> <laughs> high energy he's very high energy uh, that guy yeah, which is great. And, but, but you know, he, he talks to his North American followers and stuff and um, that knows him. Obviously, if you're a brewery, you don't want to do that, particularly if you're like a tiny brewery in Melbourne. So that, what you said, Tiff, because I, I, I know I've chatted to Lindsay about this before and yeah, she gets a lot of videos deleted uh, on the app and she always assumed that it was, was alcohol. But, yeah, talking to other people, there doesn't seem to be a problem with it. So... 
maybe it's Lindsay and not the alcohol. <laughs> or, may, or maybe there's something else <laughs> yeah. at play is what I mean. Uh, it's one of those things that I think as the apps become more professionalised as well, there's been sort of a bit of blowback from, the uh, from I guess, the content makers in terms of, um, you know, thinking they've gotten shadow banned and saying, well, you... It's all similar stuff that I think if you look at what happened with YouTube a number of years ago, that it's it's not too dissimilar from that in that the apps had to introduce rules um, to, you know, potentially stop harm. And uh, it, it's uh, there's been blowback from users as well. So the other question, um, and it's a question that I have about Instagram frequently as well, you mentioned the, the guy that you talked about Sunday Sour, sour, no, sorry, I've got Sunday. Mighty Mind, Sour. Mighty Sour. Um, he, most of his audience is American and under 21. What then, you know, and so I, I see this a lot with Instagram as well, a lot of people getting a lot of follow, foreign followers and, you know, hashtagging the hell out of a thing, out of everything, and then it bumps up their numbers. But do you think there's any way to translate that for a brewery into sales? Or is that even the point? Or even no, I, is there a way, like, is there an approach they can take to cultivate an audience, like the way that the scattergun algorithm sort of works? Is, it, is there measures they can take? Oh, it's it's so, like, I don't think anyone knows what's going to go viral is is the problem. Otherwise, we'd all go viral all the time, wouldn't we? That's, that's all of our quests all the time. But... Yeah, I think, look, I and, and Zoe made this point in the story and I think it's a really good one. I think if you're interested in building your community as a brewery in a new way and engaging and talking to your audience who are potentially going to go there, come in anyway or buy your beer anyway and sort of maybe already have a slightly personal relationship with you, I think it's really good. But when you're in the sort of larger game of, sending beer into state and selling a lot through package and you then do lose a lot of that personal connection which makes it a bit harder and so so you know I, I i think it's i think it's a tool to build community and through building communities you can always build sales but i don't know if you can if it's as pure as being like a to b um, even in the same way that Instagram and Facebook are probably better in that in the sense that you can just you can just put money behind ads to say that this is a beer that's out and people will see it and probably a certain percentage of those people hopefully will buy your beer. It, it, I, I don't think there's any way for it to work in that way, but if you want to build something fun and a fun community, then it's definitely a potential way to do it. Is it just jokes? Is, it, is there anything else but jokes? It's uh, there's no you can do, yeah. There's always got to be humor, I think. Yeah, but there's like dances and yeah, puppies yeah. and cooking. I feel okay. like the like cooking ones are a big thing. Yeah, it's like definitely a, not uh, just jokes. Is there a time limit on the video? Yeah, sixty seconds. But if you're making sixty second videos, you're probably doing it wrong. Like <laughs> it's got to be a lot shorter, and you got to—you really got to attract attention within like three or four seconds or something. But you know, like I follow an account on there, and I can't even remember their name, so maybe this proves it's not that good an app for getting marketing out there. But it's—they—they they sell seafood. <laughs> it's a—it's a fish store in Sydney, and I'm fascinated by it because I don't know how any of that works. And he—you know—the guy he uploads him going to the fish market really early and how they buy all the fish and how they choose it and and i actually find it all really interesting and the problem is it's a sydney fish shop so (laughs) it's not really going to make me go there but if it was one at the queen vic market it would be a bullseye for me because there's a number of them there and that would definitely be the one i'd go to so you know that's kind of a way breweries could potentially think about it but yeah that the, the the cruel thing of the algorithm is it really doesn't it's not like facebook where you can target ads as well although it does know where everyone is so it does it does serve you up a lot of local content um there was a i read a story a while a story a while back about a a boiled lolly shop or a, an old-fashioned lolly shop that the daughter i think signed them up at the start of the pandemic to do tiktok 
content and it was just showing how the you know they get the big tubes and they slice yeah it. i've seen it looks incredible yeah and they like and because they can sell it's something they can easily sell online and overseas it just was huge for them um they they just made simple but good content like it, it still has to be you know somewhat good and then that that product that you can send overseas just easily uh yeah worked worked, worked bloody great for them do you follow them well but that kind of like Oh, sorry, Dave. I follow. I followed some 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 candy makers. <laughs> I follow that Morgan. That the guy who does Morgan Donuts. You know that like donut prodigy. Oh, yeah. was like, like sixteen. Or, yeah, when he opened his donut store, I follow him. He, he makes good good food on there. Sorry, Dave. That's exactly the content that I'd be wanting, though. That like different <laughs> fish shop stuff that you never would ever encounter in your life. Maybe you might go to like a. Uh, Sovereign Hill and see boiled olives getting made, but outside that you're getting no boiled olive content. So mm. that's all prime gear, you ask me. <laughs> yeah, and it's anything, and it is potentially anything that you just don't know anything about. Particularly those things you interact with all the time. When all of a sudden you see it, and you're like, actually, this is fascinating. And that was one of the things Alex Kid from America from Don't Drink Beer said. He's like, you know, you could potentially do a 10 second video of this is how we put guava in our sour. And that, that, that's potentially really interesting to a lot of people. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of mindset of, is what we're doing interesting? Because um, mo- yeah. most things are interesting. You know, in a brewery, there are yeah. so many little bits and pieces that are interesting. But it's a matter of finding... Oh, like a tank, whatever, yeah. Hot liquor tank, yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> there's, there's 10 seconds in hot liquor tank. It's like your big kettle that you make your tea with. <laughs> Just, just quickly on the humour thing, like there is a lot of funny stuff, but there's everything. I think from having looked at some American breweries and even like canning companies and stuff, it felt to me like where a lot of places fall down is trying to be like funny and follow the trends and also be informative and kind of losing both things. Like, like and it's just who does this? This appeals to nobody. This is neither funny or that informative. Like... But because people think it's sort of just a humorous app, that they try and go for that thing. Whereas potentially you can be, you know, a bit more earnest, or um, and through that be a bit more interesting as well. I think. Thinking of the content that I like to engage with within the beer world, quite often it is stuff that is earnest without trying to be expert or funny. Uh, you know the article you didn't write it well, but it was on Crafty Pint about the Beer Street Boys, the, yeah. the three guys that they do. They kind of sit around and drink some beer, and then they sing a couple of little songs. Um, and it was very earnest, and it's I, I really enjoyed watching it. And then once I saw the article, I realised that or I saw in the article there they were members of the Ten Tenors, which is explains why they're very good at singing um but for me you know that's never going to be huge content but i really enjoy watching it Mm. yeah and you never know who that kind of stuff is going to bring into beer as well Mm. which is the other sort of exciting thing um what i did enjoy and i I used it very briefly just to create a, a funny video for my co-workers uh i really enjoyed how easy it was to use once i worked it out you know recording starting stopping doing everything oh yeah this you know it took me 10 minutes and i felt like i had a really good handle on how to do it all uh so that was really cool but i don't know if i'll ever jump back in i'm too much online at the moment anyway i don't need more uh well now that you've used it and written about it would you are you a regular user uh yeah well you know, I had thoughts of doing another video and I did just spend like an entire weekend not allowed to leave my house and still didn't make one. So maybe like, <laughs> maybe creating videos on it isn't for me. I, I, I definitely would if I had the like right idea. It is definitely easy. It's fun. It kind of, it's so weird how it kind of brings in a lot of, like you do it and it's like, oh, this is kind of like Instagram stories. It kind of you know, it, it, it's very familiar to you if you're, you're used to posting online anyway. Uh, so, so that's handy. But um, I'll definitely keep, keep scrolling. Uh, I won't, won't stop doing that. Just keep scrolling. <laughs> <Ever. laughs> I'll have to break my phone. Dave, any, any inclination now that you know what it is? How do you feel about TikTok? Um, so, like, some of the content sounds like it rules. I don't want to do it still. <laughs> I mean, I spent the last year like not being on 
release Instagram or Facebook. I'm not. I'm not interested in a new thing. Would you go back to Instagram or Facebook after a year off? Uh, would I? Possible, but I don't want to. Why not? I just had nothing constructive to gain by being there. It was wasting my time, and um, like I would wake up and scroll through. I'd cycle scroll through apps that I didn't. I didn't have any connection to it at all. Um, it was just. I just wasn't good for me. So I. Yeah, got rid of it and I haven't looked back. There's something, I really like Instagram stories, but I, I'm using them a lot less now and I'm just clicking on the people that I know that I want to watch. Um, our friend Lachlan is is a must yeah. uh, on Instagram stories. Um, Tiff, if Tiff is posting, like pretty much anyone in here, if they're posting, I'll check it out. Um, there's too many breweries just pitching or selling me things in there that I'm just going to skip over that. I'm not going to pay attention. And I guess they kind of have to, but I'm there to see people's day, I think. And that comes back to that earnest content. Um, thinking of one of our friends, Crystal, who's in Thailand now. If she's posting stuff from a, a market in Bangkok, I'm going to watch everything she posts. If my local brewery's posting, you know, uh, we've got a, a discount on something, I'm going to skip right over that. Um, and I guess that's the challenge for, for breweries is to keep people engaged in these sorts of things or do they just not even try because if I do want to know if a brewery's open or what they've got on tap or if the pub's got you know if they've got bookings in the beer garden or something I'll just go to their Facebook page or their Instagram main page um, and so you know for a business unless you're doing content is there any reason to engage in that kind of quick fast moving stuff that's where it's really hard. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I mean they have to post content, though, don't they? Because if I went on a, you know, if I wanted to go to a cafe and I searched their Instagram and they hadn't posted in three weeks, I'd probably assume they closed down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also think we you always need to consider that everybody uses everything differently. So I'm less likely to scroll through my feed now, and way more likely to click through stories. So I think it's just like you have to consider catching everybody's attention and using the content in all different ways. But I think like, it's a really good point. If you're going to invest in doing Instagram stories, invest in going full in and like showing all parts of the business, all parts of the brewery and not just posting like, here's our new release. Here's what's on top today. Here's what's for sale. Here's what's out in stores today. Like go deeper, let people learn to know you a little bit better. It's a way more of an investment in time and money you need people who know how to use it and like have the time to use it so you probably need somebody who's a specialist at it but I think that's probably I don't know I look at it and I think you're probably right about it's just all about all kinds of content but I think it's important to always think outside of your own head too because like I'm not on TikTok every day but I know other people are and like you were saying, like you don't scroll through stories, but I do. But then you know, my partner scrolls through reels. That's how he he gets stuff in his feed. So I don't know. Everybody uses it differently. Just thinking about that, um, having people that are good at it in your business or people that understand it. Uh, my favorite Vietnamese place in Footscray, Fatam. They during lockdown they created an Instagram account and. It wasn't. It was clearly done by someone that that was really under understood what Instagram was and how to use it, but it wasn't. It wasn't a paid. You know, you could tell they didn't hire a marketer, so it was kind of dumb jokes or just resharing when people are there. Um, you know, resharing all the stuff on the stories, posting. You know, hey, here's a really good picture of our food. We've got new vegan stuff. Like really simple stuff. Mm. Um, you, the audience grew really quickly, and I would see people that I knew from around the neighborhood, like, you know, posting that they were there and then they were sharing it. So then when I went, I'm like, oh, i got to post that I'm here. This is kind of what everyone's doing now. So, you know, just by the nature of being not super slick and not super fancy, but engaged with your customers in there, I think for the Oh, yeah. But I think that's it. Like, we're in an age of, like, yes, there are, like, social media professionals, but there's also, like, kids who grew up with social media like they're social media users who better to 
understand how to tell your story than the people who use that platform. The other account that I'm really obsessed with, uh, people on Twitter would would have seen this, um, Fat Chef in Keylor Park here in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> and they have just gone nuts on Facebook by posting content every day. Uh, they do like a lot of like palmers, like they stack chicken parmigiana. Uh, challenge. Yeah, right. the challenge. Um, someone ate three palmers stacked up, which is like two kilo uh, in 15 minutes the other day um Whoa. it's really gross and i certainly don't condone food challenges they're actually quite upsetting to me but these guys have gone so hard on social media with like pretty basic stuff but then the food is quite you know it's larger than life they're doing food challenges and they've got a cocktail they put fairy floss in and it disappears and they just but they film everything they film everyone doing everything every time a big thing comes out of their place they uh, they do a lot of sponsored posts on Facebook, but they've got like twenty thousand followers now, which would be <laughs> up there with some of the like it's more than say Movita or one of the big names in kind of high end hospitality. Um, just by straight posting through it is not good. Most of the videos are sideways; they're moving around <laughs> a lot. Um, I think by the voice it must. But it's also like at the start, it almost seemed like it was being done ironically, but the sheer consistency and like. Uh, volume of their content it turned it around and it kind of rules yeah um, James Davidson uh, has commented here social media should never be about passive marketing it's about social interaction it needs to be social engaging a, a two way conversation and I think th- thinking about the fat chef place the conversation's happening in the venue where they're going hey we'll put this on social they do this thing thumbs up when you get the Palmer challenge and thumbs down when you fail so like that social interaction then happens in the venue and then it's shown for everyone to laugh at you on their Facebook. Uh, and it works because everyone then jumps in and tags all their mates and says, ah, look at old old Muggins over here failed at a Palmer. Classic Muggins, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he's bigger than his stomach, you know him. Yep. Um, yeah. I think the thing to note is like it's work. It, it's a lot of work to do it in a way that's like, truly engaging and really makes a difference and a lot of people don't have the time or somebody to do the work yeah and if you don't have the time then just make sure you've got information that people can find yeah and that's that's the key to so many places there's a place here in footscray that this just doesn't update and no one knows if they're ever open or not i don't i think they're closed down but they might open up again in a week it's hard to say never know any more thoughts or comments on TikTok or or social media out there? Cool. You should get it. Definitely get it. Great. Oh, just to like scroll through and see the weird. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an unusual mirror to society, <laughs> and also I think because sort of Gen Gen Z rule it and the younger generation, it's like it's so overwhelmed by a sense of irony. Um, that that it's just beautiful, like like there is just so much sort of shit posting and ironic content. And my, my kind of deep dive theory into that is because the world's ruined, so they just post such good, interesting, fun, humorous stuff that it's it's fantastic. Steve has said he thought TikTok was for twelve year old girls, but he's old. Uh, and then Rowan, uh, who I believe Will knows, says that Will spends at least two hours on TikTok a day. <laughs> uh, all those things are true. Um, I'm just going to uh, stand up and open the door and get some airflow in because it's freaking roasting in here and this 12% no, start is not helping me. Another very quick uh, story I have on TikTok is when I was writing that story, I spoke to a mate of mine who runs cafes and he said that he, and has for a very long time, veteran in the cafe industry, and he said when he remembers when one of his staff members told him about Instagram uh, years and years ago and he was kind of like, oh, well, I'm probably never going to have to worry about that. And now Instagram is like the cafe industry. Like, like it's so important for cafes to have an Instagram and to show off on it and use it. Like, I don't think his current business even has a Facebook or if they do, they don't use it as much as Instagram. But it just goes to show that, you know, sometimes you have to, like, take these things and accept them uh, and realise that they may actually be the future. 
And so many cafes have got like a Instagram dish that they have. Yeah, that is exactly. Like a wild. Yeah. Or no proper website as well. Like you, you can still be a successful, you can be a successful cafe in Melbourne, and Instagram can be the only way you talk to your customers. Really, Twitter. The interesting part of that is Twitter. How that's just been abandoned by all of beer in Melbourne. Uh, I don't think. Yeah. I don't really even post beer content. If I've got stuff, quite often I just don't post it to Twitter. Um, and it's kind of strange when you see a new brewery pop up on Twitter now, and you're like, oh, oh, don't follow me. It's, I don't have what you want on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but that's actually how I met everyone back in the day. It was on beer Twitter. Yep. Never would have met any of you without beer Twitter. It was the fabric of the industry for two or three years or whatever. And yep. what's interesting, I've noticed what used to happen there now happens in Instagram stories where people are tagging other people and saying, you know, follow these people. Almost like follow Friday happens in a different form on Instagram stories. Um mm all of that sort of engagement, there is a new, uh, I don't want to say new generation, but I am because I just did, using Instagram stories like we did Twitter in 2010. Um, and that's, re- that's really cool to see. Um, tell me about Hazy Pales, Will. Uh, what, what do you want to know? You, you were in the blind tasting as well. I was in the blind tasting. <laughs> Actually, uh, you- I'm curious to know what other people think of hazy pails because i didn't really think too much about them until this tasting dave yeah well being the lineup it makes more sense to me than hazy ipa or um new england ipa um seeing but like seeing the lineup for the blind tasty on crafty pie made me go huh actually maybe it's better than i thought it was uh or just Better for me, anyway. Um, what do you mean by better? Like more in like it was a bigger spectrum of beer than I thought it might be. That maybe not by design, but does fit into that sort of category. Um, and I don't know. I don't really care. Like if I see hazy on a like the word hazy on a can in a fridge, I'm probably not going to buy it. Um, but then I'll buy a range double IPA that's definitely going to be hazy. But the word hazy kind of puts me off a little bit, um, but only because, I don't know, we had five years of, well, maybe not five years, but three to five years of like, I don't know, tough, tough to drink hazy beers for me that like, it kind of puts me off a little bit, the, uh, the word itself. It's interesting you mention where you say uh, you don't go for the, the hazy pale, you go for the double IPA, and I'm exactly the same. Cause well, I think I also, I know it's going to be hazy, but I know there's going to be like a, pretty bitter spine to it. It's gonna I think also if I'm buying a, a hazy, I want it to be, it's going to be one of my selection, whereas if I'm buying a pale, like if I'm buying a big beer, if I'm buying a pale, I just want a, a standard pale or an IPA or a lager. I don't want to have six of a hazy thing in my fridge. Do you think it's about buying from breweries you trust though? Like, you Definitely. know, if it says hazy on it, it's a real gamble unless it's a brewery that you trust. So I think like um, the, all my like all my recent purchases of those kinds of beers have either been Deed, Mister Bank, or Rain. Would you buy a six pack of a Deeds or a Mister Bank's Hazy? I'll buy a six pack of any of that. No one's like, Sorry, you both you both cut out then. <laughs> what did you say, Dave? I was saying I might not buy a six pack of anything. Either. Oh, really? You don't buy six packs at all? No, no. I'll buy six individuals or a case of something. Just go straight for the case. <laughs> it's not economical at all to buy six packs. Yes, yeah, yeah, right. I'm, I'm buying six packs over here like a sucker. <laughs> Sorry, Tiff. What did you say? I was saying nobody sells six packs anymore. Everything's in a four pack. Stomping ground, stomping ground, hop stomper in a six pack. That's not hazy. There's nothing hazy. In oh a no, six nothing pack. hazy in a six pack. No. Yeah, everything comes in like a tall tin. So yeah, Tiff, which rules? I love tall tins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, I, I'm, I like seeing a, a Mr. Banks hazy in a big can. It's fun. That's a fun thing for me. Yeah. Uh, Tiff, what do you think of hazy pails? So, I think a few... Uh, Do you need to give a disclaimer who you work for? 
Yeah, I mean, disclaimer, there's a bunch of hazy pails in the portfolio that I work with. Um, I have favorites. I have least favorites. It's just how it works. The thing I like about a hazy pail is that you're getting a beer that's like still like has a nice mouthfeel, but it has tends to have like a real big flavor on the palate and then falls right off. So it's something that I think is like super smashable and I kind of hate the word smashable, but it, it's a smashable, really full flavored beer. So I like that. But also I think the thing that sucks now is that everybody's got one. And I think that, you know, just like a hazy IPA, they should, they're way better when they're fresh. Like there's no comparison to them when they're fresh. So I don't know how much uh, we want to go into this, just knowing that Will's working on an article about freshness and hazy <laughs> at the moment. But someone's also commented in, um, James Davidson commented about the packaged on date um, and how much grace do you give hazy? Um, I guess from my experience, I don't know. I know how a, an IPA evolves. Like the first two days, three days, great. And then it's going to, after a month, I'm going to be able to start tasting that it's dropped off a bit. Hazy's is a whole new ball game to me. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it, it depends on what you're shopping for and where you're shopping. Because, like, if I'm in Bright, for instance, and have limited capacity for buying craft beer, like, yeah, I walked, like, I am the jerk who walks into the bottle shop and takes every can and looks at it like this before I decide what to buy. But, like, so I would say, like, three months or less is really fucking fresh once it hits national retail. Mm. Three months is like, that's, that's good. If it's sitting in there, you're pretty safe. But then if I go to my local bot, like if I'm walking over to like Black Hearts around the corner, I mean, I'm looking for something that's like two weeks old. Yeah, and it flies off the shelf. So like it almost, like those kind of um, limited release hazies, like at Carwin Cellars, which is my local bottle shop, it just goes. So there's not really any, um, I always have a, like a cursory glance, but, it's always like, I've never even heard of it anyway. So it's brand new. <laughs> it's because you're not on social media, Dave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's really surprising. Yeah, yeah, that beer you're talking about is popping off on TikTok right now. It is, it is a really good time of beer because, you know, there was a time there, and I guess we're probably all pretty blessed living in inner city Melbourne, where we can kind of go to our local and get a really good local and know that it's not going to be six months old. Um, no matter what you pick up, uh, you'd, I'd be surprised if it's three months old. I'd be, I'm disappointed. I'm like, ah, oh, man, three months old, and it's still fine. Um, so the yeah, even though like whenever I go to you know South Gippsland to visit my parents, go into the BWS or the local IGA, the beer is fresh normally, like the craft beer. Sometimes you wonder like who's going in there and buying the you know capital ipa or something like that which is a brand that doesn't have you know much like knowledge down there but either they're just rotating properly or people are buying it because it's surprising how um how fresh a lot of the the sort of local australian beer is now Mm. how how well um local distribution's gone Mm. But then you also, like, the cream rises to the top when it starts to approach that sort of three to five months. If you grab, a like, a well-looked-after, like, Gip Street Pale or Hop Stomper from Stomping Ground, they still taste so good, a little bit, like, uh, older than what you'd want as an optimum um, uh, age. And then you just get a pleasant surprise because it's so good, usually. Mm. Mm. Uh, after tasting 26 blind... We're doing a blind tasting of 26 hazy pails. Well, did you were you pumped to drink more after that, or were you like, ah, actually these aren't that great? And the, the the ones that were great were really great. Like I I don't personally love the style anyway. I I kind of think hazier beers do need a little bit more booze in them, just as a general. That that's just like personal preference um i find the kind of tropical fruit hop thing and the lower abv can just just not work as well so it's not like a style i was ever into but i i thought the ones we had that were great were really good and 
there weren't, you know, sometimes you do those blind tasting and there's beers in them that t- almost put you off beer for life, but there weren't there weren't that many that were like that bad. <laughs> See, there were a couple of shockers in there. Yeah, there were. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, but that's okay. Doing one of those blind tastings, that same beer that you're like, oh, that's terrible. If you just opened it at home and drank it, you probably wouldn't think about yeah. it. Yeah. Totally different experiences. Yeah. 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 Um, I had a similar. So we, I judged for the Vintage Sellers Best Of Awards, and they basically just put 12 paleos down in front of us with no explanation whatsoever, except for, like, the six hazy ones were on one side, which we could only tell because they were hazy. <laughs> And, like, you have to pick your favorite pale ale, and they go from, like, this clear to, like, proper hazy. It's hard. But I will say it was a hazy one that we ended up picking as our favorite. And it was a super local one. And it wasn't one that I would normally pick up. But after tasting it blind, I, like, went to the brewery to have another one because it tasted so good. There is definitely some value in having things blind without any explanation behind them. That's for sure. Are you able to say what that one was, Tiff? Um, oh, I think it's technically embargoed for another week, but it is a local Abbotsford brewery. Okay. Everyone look out for it as well. <laughs> the vintage <cellar> release. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, just nod if it's Bodriggy. <laughs> Which is interesting because that Bodrigi, I don't know if it's the same one, but that didn't do so well in the blind one that we did. But I, interestingly, we had, um, you know, the guys, one of the guys from Bodrigi was there and like he didn't pick out his beer. Mm. Did yeah, it's, it's fascinating when that happens as well. Yeah. We've, been, uh, we've had panels heaps of times where brewers haven't. Have you know punished their own beers, and it's it's always really awkward <laughs> when it gets revealed. Like if he had it first off, would he have got it? Does he get his like palate jumbled? Uh, yeah, honestly, it? probably. But in that lineup of twelve, like by the time you got to the other end, like I was starting at twelve and working back to one, just so somebody was tasting them differently. It's. Interesting how jumbled up, and I, I found it with the hazy pails. How jumbled up my palate got mm-hmm. trying to understand, you know, with a, a kind of more traditional beer, you kind of know the where it starts and finishes. With some of the some hazy beers, just the cocktail of, of you know hop aroma and, and flavor is it can throw you off. And I'm like, I don't know if this is an off flavor or if it's a hop flavor and. It's yeah. I found it really confusing. Is that just me? <laughs> no, yeah, I, I definitely found that too. And everyone's, you know, brewers are trying to do really different things with them. I think they're trying to appeal to different types of drinkers. Like, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't really think that uh, that's obvious that go tasty pale ale is going to be worlds apart from probably what range is doing. And and we might potentially be drinking them next to each other. That, that doesn't say anything fundamental about the beers, other than the fact that they're different. Mm. Um, so this was for the, the crafty pint. Uh, the top five. I'll read them out, since we talked about it. Fixation Little Ray was the number one, which I'm really stoked by because I've always really liked that beer. Yeah. Um, and they've they've done some some really good beers this year as well. So that's kind of cool to see the corrupt there. Um, I just hit space bar and lost them all. Should have gone five to one. Come on. Uh, oh, no. Nah. Not doing five to one. Going one to five, Dave. Let's, <laughs> let's get, like, uh, progressively less exciting. That's cool. <laughs> no, I think it's all pretty exciting. Uh, all right. Number two. Hawker's Hazy Pale uh, was number two, which I didn't even really know they made a Hazy Pale. So. Neither did I. It's a relatively recent core range edition. Um, Dayton. I haven't had it either. Dainton Equalizer, number three. Stoner with Pacific Ale, number four. Uh, that's kind of one of the most interesting ones because as soon as it came out, we all immediately knew. I have a thing about Pacific Ale and Hazy Pales, but I'll let you finish first. We all knew what it was. Go. Ah, of course. <laughs> of course you would. But, like, it's still... Okay, I guess most of our comments were it's a lot thinner than what we think of as the style now. Mm-hmm. But, yep. damn, it was tasting good and I want to drink that again. Um, and that's probably why it hit fourth rather than first. 
Kiss the thinnest. I have this theory. Well, not theory. This is how I sell the hazy, the number one hazy pale in our portfolio is I'm like, I drink that. And I'm like, this is the obvious next step for a Stonewood Pacific Ale drinker is a hazy pale. It's a hazy pale, but like generally with a little more flavor and a little more mouthfeel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number five, more beer, little popper. Hmm. I don't know much about them. Are they New South Wales, Will? They're based in, yeah, Port Macquarie. So outside of the Pacific Isle, obviously, I've had none of that. I might never have bought a beer that's, like, labelled as a hazy tail. I don't think I have either. No. Yeah. I definitely have. I'm in the market. Interesting. Um, Yeah, interesting style that didn't exist two years ago. Mm-hmm. Other than stone and wood. Um, well, I was going to say, it did exist. We just weren't calling them hazy pale ales. They were just low bitterness, high hop aroma pale ales. It's, really. it's definitely a play that a lot of uh, breweries that do really focus on packaging a lot and like sort of core range have really added to their list. I think I think you could say a lot of the craft breweries that are trying to like make it of an impact of have really focused on them ballistic being like a pretty clear example of that but you know dainton as well and yeah yeah quite a few of them where does you know we we kind of accept that stone and wood is part of the style even though it's slightly you know an older interpretation or the original interpretation meaning how you want to put it where does something like a bolter xpa fit into this for you guys is that a hazy pale i mean I don't think the Balter XPA is hazy at all, but I would say there probably are some XPAs who fit into this, except I would generally also say they carry a little more bitterness than you would expect for the style. Mm. I, I Yeah, and I also think Hazy Pale is potentially the next XPA, like in the same way that three or four years ago, XPA kind of became the thing. Hazy Pale seems to potentially be going that way maybe it'll move back and forth like they're, they're all doing that similar thing though aren't they of, hey, it um, does seem to jostle for the same position in the market though doesn't it yeah 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 we're basically just making more flavorful hoppy beers with less bitterness hmm. I remember yeah. like when Hazy first like entered the lexicon you and me Luke were like Pacific that definitely counts as that so. Well, I think I've written this somewhere, and I know that I'm pretty sure they're pretty open about it now. Is the you know the technique that kind of makes a modern hazy beer hazy is the kind of hopping throughout fermentation, um, biotransformation is the, the the buzzword or the keyword, and that happens to Stone and Wood Pacific Ale, mm-hmm. and I, that was a secret for years, and it's not a secret anymore. But so they were doing it in 2009 and they weren't the first there was certainly brewers in the US doing it but you know it's kind of interesting and I remember my first modern interpretation of that I think it might have been the Brooks Hazy or New England IPA Um, Brooks and Morrison were two of the first breweries to make New England styles which are the two breweries that you wouldn't think of to make them in Australia and I tasted that and I went oh this really reminds me of the passion fruit you get from from Stone and Wood that was well before I knew kind of what the what the deal was. I kind of pegged P- Bubble and Squeak as one of the first, like, actual New England IPAs. But then I was watching this whole, I was watching this documentary on The Alchemist the other day and how Hetty Chopper came to be. And I'm just, now I'm just like, I think we're all wrong about it. What's the documentary? Do you have it? Uh, it's like Craft Beer Channel, I think, is their YouTube I think if you just search like craft beer channel alchemist, it'll pop up. But I also have a super weird algorithm on my YouTube, but it came, it just like, I watched all YouTube and just like came up and I was watching it and I was like, whoa, we've been so wrong about this. Can you give us a one line summary or should we go just go watch it? I think it's definitely worth a watch if you're interested, but I think the one big thing for me was that Hetty Topper is 70 IBU. Yeah. That's the thing that annoys me about people say 
the kind of the accepted definition here in Australia is if it's hazy IPA, there's more bitterness than if they've labelled New England IPA. And yeah. all of the original New England IPAs that the style grew out of are very bitter. Yeah. It's just the definitions are wrong here. And also I think the interpretations are generally quite wrong here. Yeah. Not that I don't like them because I actually spend way too much money at range drinking whatever the weekly release of triple, double, dry hops, anything is. Because I really enjoy it and I like picking out the difference, like the subtle differences between hops, which I think is like the greatest thing that's come out of the hazy IPAs. But I just, I'm now thinking that we're all wrong. All right. I'm going to have to go watch this documentary. Yeah. Sorry. Do you have to be sorry? This is really cool on their like environmental stance and like super low waste. Anyway, it's very cool. Um, We're coming up to an hour. We had a couple of th- more things to talk about, but I reckon we just kick it off, knock it off here. The first 40 minutes would be TikTok. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did warn oh, you yeah. all. Shocked. It's, it's I like, yeah, the, 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 the key TikTok content is 10 seconds, and we got 40 minutes out of it. <laughs> <laughs> we approach it like a bunch of boomers. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, I'm sure there's, there's TED Talks and, and presentations that go much longer than this. Like a bunch of millennials, which is what we are, and now Gen Z is making fun of us. Hang on. Will, are you, are you a millennial or are you... I don't actually know. This kind of came up when I did that story. I was born in 1991 and technically I think... Oh, no, you're a millennial. Yeah. Uh, yes, but I'm the border of it. Yeah. Um, because sometimes Gen Z is... Des- no, Gen Why? Y is defined as after 91. Oh, 90... This one, oh. this one that I just Googled quickly says 81 yeah. to 96. Okay, right. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought as well. This other one's yeah. 80 to 94. Right. right, so which generation am I? Millennial. You're a millennial. Right, right. And uh, that's something that I think marketers have only now just worked out, that millennials are starting to turn 40. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some of us, some of them. No, I mean, some of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, this has been uh, fascinating, and thank you so much for everyone that joined in the chat. Uh, there was a lot of stuff happening in the chat that I didn't get a chance to uh, ask or reply to. Um, I saw Dave was in there, though. Um, let's just wrap it up. Will, where do people find you on the internet? Uh, I am on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Is, uh, You're the first TikToker <laughs> mentioned on this show ever. As is, here's my TikTok. Uh, Will Zabel. I it might be Will underscore Zabel at some of them, but um, I don't know. You should be able to find me pretty easily. Awesome. Any you've only done Particularly the one on TikTok. You've, you've only done the one. I've TikTok? only done the one video. But look, if the lockdown gets extended, we can ex- definitely expect a second TikTok. I noticed you used a violent Soho song for that. Yeah. It's a good choice. Yeah. Very. Um, I, I had another idea, but I thought the first one was a little bit negative, and the second idea I had was a little bit negative as well. And I didn't don't want to don't want to cultivate negativity into the world. So I'm, I'm going to come in with something nice and positive. You don't want your TikTok to be a nego prison. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't want I don't want Generation Alpha to be mean to me. <laughs> uh, Tiff, where do people find you on the internet? I'm Beer Girl Bites on all of the things. I think I even have a TikTok account, but I don't post anything. You could um, you post a lot of Biscuit for content. Yeah, but one of the rules when I got Biscuit was that she's not allowed to have her own social media. That was the rule of getting a dog, so she's not allowed. Um, the Biscuit chewing on a plastic bottle, terrible for this. Great for TikTok. <laughs> great on TikTok. You're right. It would make great TikTok. Uh, I usually remove all of those before I start meetings in the morning, but somebody else in my house gave her one. Uh, Dave, where do we find you on the internet? Send me an email, dudes. That's the only way you can get in touch with me. I mean, <laughs> uh, 
You can get me Luke at aleofatime.com. Uh, Hypothetical Institute for your conspiracy needs. Um, we just did a Korean uh, Korea flight 007, uh, which is a pretty fascinating case. Uh, there's a crab theory. There's Russians involved. Uh, there's a lot going on in that one. And the one we just that's still on the podcast app, so this is the current one, uh, Rendlesham UFO is a very, very good episode. It's one of our best, so tune into that to learn about UFOs and crabs and British men making tea. Uh, thank you so much to everyone that joined us in the chat. Uh, really, really f- good time to see and great to see everyone back in there. Uh, and if you're not on the YouTube, we'll be back 8.30 on YouTube Monday night. So jump on and, and join the chat uh, with a beer in hand or not. It's up to you. How's that for a sign-off? Like it. it. Was really Perfect. High energy. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Hey, guys.